With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast. And this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for our weekend preview. It's Newcastle United versus Fulham this Saturday as Claudio Ranieri brings his West London side to St James's Park. This is the last game before Christmas and Arthur Benitez will be hoping to send fans home with all three points. I'm joined by Chris Woff to preview the game. I'm Andrew Musgrove and this is the Everything is Black and White podcast in association with eToro. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for our weekend preview. Newcastle United welcome Fulham to St James's Park in the last game before Christmas, hoping to send the home fans home with three points. And we're going to review also the uh, win away to Huddersfield. I'm joined by Chris Woff. This is the Everything is Black and White podcast in association with eToro. Hello, Chris. We're going to fit quite a bit into this uh, episode of the Everything is Black and White podcast where we will review um, the much-needed three points gathered away to Huddersfield last weekend. That does seem a lifetime before looking um, at the game on Saturday against Fulham. I mean, first of all, Huddersfield game, three points. The performance was a bit dire, though, wasn't it? But I suppose, given the circumstances of facing your relegation rivals, you'll take the three points no matter how they come. Yeah, the first half was dire from Newcastle. I thought they really struggled. But he has himself basically admitted that after the game that although he did have a game plan to basically sit off and count and Newcastle was so poor on the ball, sloppy in possession and really barely created a chance in the first half aside from Atsu half chance and Cher half chance. But they've changed things around in the second half and it started to work a little bit better. Um, and obviously the team goal in the second half was excellent. And I thought that... All in all, I thought that Newcastle United, uh, it was a professional performance. There didn't need to be that slick. I've spoken to a couple of people in the last few days and saying, oh, how can you go to Huddersfield and let them dominate the ball? And actually, they, they did allow Huddersfield to dominate the ball, but Huddersfield did nothing with it. You'd be more frustrated if Newcastle had gone there, sat off, and Huddersfield had created a lot of chances. But Rafa knew that Huddersfield struggled so much in possession uh, and don't create many chances. And Newcastle were comfortable in the end for the win. Once they went ahead, Huddersfield never really directly threatened to equalise. I suppose what the difference was, was a striker who, when the chance falls to him, will put it in the back of the net. We saw that with Salomon Wondon. Not the first time we've seen him do that. You know, one chance, one goal. Huddersfield, for all their efforts, they didn't have someone like Wondon who, when the ball is put in the box, waiting there, I mean... Uh, John Anderson was having a field day 
with uh, Huddersfield's centre forward. You said he, yeah, just seemed like he didn't want to, want to get his head in on the ball. You know, the crosses were coming in thick and fast, but there was no there was nobody there willing to put their head on the end of it and, and, and threaten Newcastle, um, and you know, threaten Newcastle and threaten to win the game. Whereas Newcastle created few chances, but Rondon took the one that was you know put his way, and it was it was great to see. Yeah, well, Rondon had a frustrating first three months, I'd say, on Tyneside. Arrived with an injury struggled to gain fitness and form and obviously with the early season form of Alexander Mitrovic who I know we'll get onto later and also Dwight Gale a lot of fans understandably were questioning Benitez's decision making on this count but Benitez watched Rondon closely he had close contact with him and he knew the sort of player he was he was the the type of player who fits that system and last weekend he was so effective because he, he took that one chance one goal it's now four goals in the Premier League five and all from uh, I think he's been involved in five of Newcastle's last seven or eight goals uh, he is really becoming that focal point of the side but but almost more important I think that we've seen over the last few weeks is that he has became that central focus of, of the Newcastle side that didn't necessarily have that Hosselu works hard but the ball doesn't always stick he doesn't necessarily bring teammates in play as well Muto can stretch the opposition line but he's not uh, that that big central striker Rondon his all-round game is exactly what Benitez wants from that central striker and for the budget that Benitez had he was a striker I identified as being most effective in that role and now he's fit and firing we're starting to see that almost certainly Um, just a few talking points from the game I mean, Jamal Lascelles, um, some say he was probably a bit lucky to stay on the pitch for his rash challenge. Uh, off the pitch it was, uh, very nearly at the advertising boards. I mean, the still image um, is all I've seen. I, I haven't seen the video footage, but the still image alone uh, looks pretty nasty. Yeah, well, I think still images can sometimes distort. It's like if you slow things down, but it's a, it's a situation where if he had been sent off, you wouldn't really be able to argue against it. I don't think it was a definite red card, but he gave the referee a decision to make by making an unnecessarily high challenge with essentially a scissor challenge. And Huddersfield were aggrieved by that. Although on the pitch at the time, other than a couple of players coming across, I don't think there was too many uh, arguments against that. Dave Wagner was after the game said, look, I don't want to talk about incidents like that. I was too far away. I just want to focus on Huddersfield. He was very diplomatic about the whole thing. So it was a rash challenge and I think that that just came about from a, the end of a frustrating first half when Newcastle just really couldn't get into the game. Do we think we're starting to see it kind of, is it an important period now for Jamal Lascelles because he didn't have a good game against Wolves, the Huddersfield game, a split opinion for, for some because some thought he played averagely. Um, Garth Crooks put him in his team of the week for the BBC. What was your view on his performance? I thought he was better than he was against Wolves. I think his first half he had a couple of nervy moments, but given the conditions and given the difficulty of being a defence who hasn't really played together, they had a, a right back who hasn't played that often and also a left, sorry, right wing back and a left wing back who also hasn't played that frequently. Those three haven't played together that much as a back three either. I think that they did okay. He improved as the game wore on. Second half was, was solid. Um, he also was sporting a cast which we had yesterday Twitter a lot of fans uh, got a bit nervous that he may be unavailable for this weekend because he was pictured uh, at the annual players visit to the RVI with a cast on his and his arm and fans were saying oh is he, is he injured himself he actually wore that cast last weekend as well I have to be honest I didn't notice that at the time but subsequently looking back at the pictures he's already worn it speaking to people it's just a slight injury five things Chris Woff missed 
Exactly, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think anyone really noticed it, to be honest. But there is a picture of him even walking into the ground just, just with that cast on. Uh, so it's just a bit of a wrist injury, but not anything that will keep him out. Uh, but Federico Fernandez back in training. Will he be fit enough for this weekend? We'll find out from Benitez tomorrow. But certainly Lascelles. I actually think that most positions Benitez likes competition for places, and he certainly has at centre-back. And I, and I think that... In some ways, it hasn't brought the best out of Lascelles in the last few weeks. I think that because he was sidelined when Newcastle started to do well, I think he came back in and almost tried a little bit too hard. He knows that Cher and Fernandez are more type footballers that can really play with the the football on the ground and, and they can start attacks as can Florian Lejeune who's come back. And I think that Lascelles just needs to focus on what he is good at, defending, being the solid pivot. And I think he can get back to his best form and he will certainly be utilised over the next few weeks because Newcastle have a lot of games. Well, that was going to be my next question because it's a test of character to knuckle down when you've been having a bad few weeks to get back to the level of performance that we know Jamal Lascelles can, uh, can reach. But do you think it is a case that he's looked at Fernandez, he's looked at Shaw, he's looked at Lejeune, the three players who arguably could keep him out of the team over the next few months, and the way they play, they play out from the back. They're good on the ball. They can start an attack. You know, we've seen it. The long balls Lejeune played last season. If Shelby was doing that, would be, you know, flying the flag high. Um, whereas Lascelles is very much an old-fashioned defender. But in my opinion, anyway, get it into the stands. Just get it, get rid of it. And is it a case that he's looking at them and thinking, well, if that's the way the manager wants to play, I'm going to have to change and adapt. And to be fair, again, just my opinion, he's just not that sort of defender. And that is where the bad performances and the kind of inconsistencies in these performances are starting to, to sneak in. I'd make a comparison with Shelby here. And certainly when he came on against... Uh, West Ham in the second half but also last season whenever Gareth Southgate was at St James's Park you noticed a change in Shelby it was almost as if he thought this is what Gareth Southgate wants to see and was almost trying too hard and we saw that with Lascelles on the rare occasions he he played when Southgate's been watching and, and, and the couple of weeks after it basically came out that Southgate wants his defenders to be ball playing defenders and, and Lascelles has tried to change and adapt his game and he should try and, try and improve in those areas because Newcastle, if if they are going to progress, need defenders who do that. But at the same time, this is Acast recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to Be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. If he has other ball-playing defenders alongside him, he, he shouldn't make himself, force himself on that responsibility. He is best looking forward, defending, leading the team, making sure he's a vocal presence there. I think that's where his strengths lie and he, he complements other players well alongside him. And I don't think he should adapt his game entirely. Yes, he should look to improve that area. And to be fair, uh, I was surprised at how well he handled the build-up to the goal uh, on, on against Huddersfield because when Dubravka passed the ball to him, 
I was shocked and I thought, oh, because there was two Huddersfield players crowding around him. And I thought he's not comfortable in that situation, but he didn't panic. He played the ball out to share and, and then the counter-attack started. And that goal also showed why it's so important to have someone like Martin Dubravka in, in goal. But we're talking about uh, Lascelles here. And, and I just think that in the coming weeks and months, he, he is perfect complementing two of Cher, Fernandez, and Lejeune in a back three or one of those two, although they're equally two of those other three can, can play together as well. So Lascelles has to make sure he, he rediscovers that best form if he is going to be playing week in, week out. It's, it's going to be so much decision to make, Rob Benitez, when Lejeune gets back and obviously the, the other two are fit. Moving on to Fulham this weekend. Uh, it's not going well for Fulham. They've already sacked the manager. They've got Ranieri in, but this is after spending close to, or if not more than 100 million in the summer. You know, everyone was... It kind of, I think certain Newcastle fans were quite envious of the amount of money they were spending. Obviously, Khan, their, 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 their owner, has, has backed them. He's, you know, a man who's rich enough, but he's got ambitions. You know, I think you under team in the, in the NFL, you try to buy Wembley. So clearly, he's a man with a lot of ambition, but it just hasn't worked. It hasn't clicked into place. Obviously, they've got Alexander Mutovic as well, um, who I'm sure Newcastle fans will remember. Um, but it just hasn't worked. It hasn't worked, and I think that they went too far and signed too many players. I think that when you get promoted to the Premier League, you need to sign four or five players of Premier League quality. And Fulham went about and brought in 10 or 11 new faces. And seemingly, when Jukanovic was there, he didn't know what his best team was. He didn't know his best defence was. He tinkered formation. And basically, it was a different team every week, and there was no time to be- to bed it in, and they've missed they missed Tim- Tom Kearney early in the season, he's an important player for them, he was out injured, and so that has affected them, but they just shipped too many goals, Ranieri came in, had a little bit of an impact early on, but the last couple of weeks, they're just still conceding goals, and it's, uh, I still think, the, the, the one part, of, when I look at Fulham, is A, that I think they will spend more in January, and I think that they'll target the right areas this time rather than just go scattergun with their approach. And B, they do score goals. And if he can sort out their defence, that is the one point of difference I think that Fulham have compared to most but of their it, teams down there. It is, I think it's 43, or was it 44 goals conceded thus far this season, which is a huge amount. And is it, of course, in a massive contrast to where Newcastle are at, with Newcastle having a very strong defence, and you could argue actually the lack of goals is Newcastle's issue. It's amazing to see the kind of the two contrasts play out. Completely different. And Benitez spoke a few weeks ago about how, in his opinion, the reason Newcastle will survive is their defence and very few teams go down with a very good defence. And it, it is it is a, a, tr- a good point. But on, on the flip side, I can think of a few teams in the past who, because they've scored enough goals, can make sure that they do get enough points. It hasn't worked for Fulham yet, but I just think in that point of difference, Ranieri is a good defensive manager. Once that does start to click, and if he signs maybe an experienced centre-back in January, Fulham will give themselves every opportunity because they're not cut adrift. They are bottom, but they're not cut adrift. And you look at teams like Huddersfield, Huddersfield could have played for three hours last weekend and they would not have scored. And that's not going to win you football matches. Fulham may go and get hammered 7-0 at Man City or something like that, but equally, they could win a game 3-2 if they can start to sort that defence out, and, and that will get them, I think, enough points to just about survive. And of course, Fulham have got some excellent players. Seri was a man courted for, I think, for Chelsea. He ended up, obviously, going to Fulham. And, and Mitovic, you know, despite the opinion 
you know that he does bring you know it is definitely a split opinion you put the ball in front of him he's likely to score goals and it's worked at Fulham for him he's probably been there shining lights maybe other than Surrey um, this season he's, he's even captained them which I'm, I'm shocked by uh, yes, he has worked for them, and I think that in in a team that's built around him, in a team that attacks like Fulham, as he himself has said early in the season, that Benitez's system at Newcastle, more tactical, uh, hard-working, every player has to do a specific role, that, that didn't suit him, and that's why Benitez got rid of him. He, he, he just wasn't a Rafa Benitez-style player, but at Fulham, particularly under Jukanovic, he was the focal point of the team, and he started quite well under Ranieri as well. He started the season in great form, had a few weeks where it didn't quite work out as well for me. He lacked goals for, for a few weeks. Uh, but then he, he got two a couple of weeks ago and Jamal Lascelles interviewed uh, on the Newcastle United website yesterday saying that Lascelles is a real handful of defenders. I think he referred to him as a nightmare, someone he, he thinks is a top striker. He's obviously played with them in training two or three years, knows where Mitrovic's strengths and weaknesses lie. And every single Newcastle fan will be looking at this weekend concerned, thinking that it's bound, it's just written in the stars that Mitrovic is going to score. Typical Newcastle. But one of the main problems with Mitrovic was his discipline. We saw it, you know, did brilliant against West Ham, decided that Lanzini needed a bit of a whack in the face, gets banned very respectfully. You know, and that, that was probably the moment that killed his Newcastle United career, in all fairness. And the players will know. That you get in his ear and you you know you can you can wind him up. And now obviously we're not condoning um, winding Mitrovic up. You know we'd like obviously like to see him fairly blocked out of the game. But it probably will be a tactic that the players will be thinking about because they do know that he's quite an easy person to wind up. Well, that's why I'd definitely be playing Jamal Lascelles on Saturday. A because he knows Mitrovic better than probably any of the those other centre backs. He's played with them longer. Uh, when he was at Newcastle but also Lascelles is quite good at that he's quite good at getting uh, really ruffling up the opposition and and, and maybe the odd uh, off the ball slide not not dig but sort of like just a little check in there the odd word here and there and he knows what Mitrovic although he seems to have matured since he's gone to Fulham there is still that side of him which never really leaves them and so I I would have Lascelles there and if I was Benitez I'd be just whispering in his ear just saying just make sure you're a nuisance all game frustrate him and once he gets frustrated hopefully Fulham's game plan will disintegrate around him I mean it's a big occasion for Mitrovic isn't it because this is probably the biggest game of his season so far He's going to be well aware that you know he's got a point to prove. He's going to want to prove to Benitez that you know you were wrong. You know both have said you know no hard feelings. It just didn't fit. But let's be honest. In any kind of way of life, if you've been shipped out and you you know you meet that person again, whether it be job or what, what have you, you know you want to prove to that person that they made the wrong decision. And Mitrovic is is definitely going to have that bit about him on Saturday, but with the crowd. You know, getting on his back as 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 they probably will do, like you say, Lascelles maybe getting in his ear. It's going to be a test of that discipline, isn't it? It will be, and I'm interested to see the sort of reception he gets a before the game and b if he does score, which I hope he doesn't. But if he does score, then it'll be interesting to see how fans react to that and what post match what what they say about all this. I know that the Newcastle hierarchy will be looking on at this as well because. If they'd had their way, Alexander Mitrovic would still be a Newcastle United player. I Even during the summer, I know conversations were hard whereby the hierarchy said to Rafa Benitez, look, he's still only in his early 20s. We paid £13 million for him. If we sell him now, 
you're sure you can't get the best of him? You're sure you can't adapt him? And Benitez said, no, I don't want him. He's not my style of player. We've tried for two years. So the Newcastle hierarchy will be looking on this with interest as well because if he scores and Newcastle lose because of a Mitrovic goal, I think there'll be a few questions upstairs about why Benitez allowed him to go. Although, in my opinion, it was the correct decision for him to do so. I suppose at the same time, you can't compensate for that happening, really, because it's, it's you've got to look at it the, the bigger picture over the, the course of the season. If Rondon continues in this vein of form and Newcastle... You know, Newcastle do well, they, they finish outside the relegation zone, regardless of where Fulham finish, then surely Benitez's decision's been justified. I agree, and I think it is justified, but Newcastle hierarchy were reluctant to bring in Rondon in the first place, as we've said before. Mitrovic, to them, is, is more the sort of type of player they want. Early 20s, still has potential to grow, still has sell-on uh, value, whereas Rondon... 29, going to be 30 next year. They didn't want to sign him permanently, had to wait until the end of the season to get him. Reasonably high wages for a player of that age. Came in, was injured. For them, Mitrovic is is, is, is more the sort of striker they want. Benitez, on the other hand, wants someone who can be that focal point up front, not just score goals, but be the, the main... Uh, central focus of that team someone who players can play off someone who will hold the ball up in those away games when Newcastle aren't going to have much possession someone who will run the channel someone who will run the socks off and make sure that they give every ounce of energy and that is the contrast in the hierarchy at Newcastle at the moment between what Benitez wants and what ideally uh, the Mike Ashley regime would like Just interestingly on the comparison between Mitovic and Rondon Mitovic said early in the season that he couldn't fit into Benitez's system. Benitez wanted him to run, but Mitovic said, look, I'm, uh, I, can't, I can't remember how heavy he said he was in the interview, but he said, I'm, I'm you know, XX amount of, of kilos and it just doesn't fit. But I checked, the, I did check the, the, the weight between Rondon and, and Mitovic and they're very similar weight and we do see Rondon, um, you know, up there, we saw it in the last game against um, the game prior to the Wolves game at home, uh, Bournemouth, where he was defending, you know, he was he was in there defending, and then he was he was bombing forward, and it was very late in the game, and he yeah he was out on his backside because he he put everything into it, but he was still doing the job Benitez had, had asked him to do, and he does it really well. I mean, do you buy the whole? You know, I'm 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 this heavy, so I can't really cover the miles. I don't necessarily buy it. I I do think that there is a difference in physique, even if they're similar weights. I think Rondon is more suited to being able to cover. Greater ground. Mitrovic has never really looked comfortable covering uh, a lot of ground, but I also just think they're different characters. Mitrovic is an extrovert. He wears his heart on his sleeve. It's about him scoring goals is the be-all and end-all. Rondon's slightly different. He's more of a team player. He's more of what I would call a Benitez-style player. It's about uh, what the manager wants, the information he's received from him, and the game plan he has to enact in that regard, first and foremost, and then the goals are part of that rather than the be-all and end-all. And It's just a different philosophy and different way of looking at things. Mitrovic can and will score goals in the Premier League if a team is built around him, but has to do a different job. He doesn't seem overly comfortable to do it. Rondon will do whatever Benitez asks him to do, and, and realistically, that's exactly... If you look at the majority of that Newcastle team, the majority of signs Benitez has made... That's the type of play he likes. That's the mould of character he likes. Uh, most certainly. Um, so on the team news then, we expect it probably to be quite a similar team to the team that played against Huddersfield. Um, 
Will Fernandez be back is probably the, the main the main question. But I mean, even if not, you, you imagine Lascelles to start with either Fernandez or, or Shaw, um, left back. Paul Dummett, do you expect? I mean, I suppose one of the the, the big questions is uh, Atsu. Does he keep his his place on the side? Well, the big question is: Is Benitez going to stick with three at the back, or is he going to go to a flat back four? Because I think he's got that big question mark with Paul Dummett at the moment. Is that Paul Dummett is excellent as a left back, and if you're playing a flat back four, he should be one of the first names on the team sheet. But if you're playing three five two or three four three, whatever it is. He isn't really ideally suited to being a wing-back, particularly not at home where you're going to be expected to push on and be almost like a winger. He could, in theory, pull across and be the left centre-back, but Newcastle, as we know, have five centre-backs already competing for three positions. But then Kennedy, though, left wing-back, is equally not at home with doing that. And Of course, he isn't a left-back either, but I mean, he didn't have a very good... Um, time against Huddersfield, and he just didn't look comfortable at all. So I mean, He didn't, but Matt Ritchie's played quite well there. Does, DeAndre but, Yedlin's back this weekend, so in theory you have Mankio could switch to the other side if you want. Who played, played, played well last weekend, albeit on the right. I, I do think he struggles a little bit on the left because he is so predominantly right-footed. Uh, you can see he isn't overly comfortable on that side. You could even play one of the wingers, say Jacob Murphy, other than Richie, say Jacob Murphy or Atsu, as that wing-back. Although I'm not sure against Fulham, who are quite good on the counter, that Benitez will do that. I think he'll try and match their system. And Ranieri switched a couple of times. He prefers a 4-2-3-1, but sometimes they have played with three at the back. So Benitez will try and deduce what they're going to do and decide upon it. Fernandez, I would be surprised if he risks them from the start on Saturday because it was a muscular injury. Given that they play three times next week, he may be penciling in more for Liverpool or even Watford rather than rushing back. Lejeune, it'll be interesting to see if he's considered now. The fact he's still only played 45 minutes for under 23s, I think Benitez might want to play once more for them before he comes back in. But he is pushing closer to return. So I they're, think yeah, I mean, they're, they're done now, aren't they? Under 23s until after. Exactly. So I, do, I don't know yeah. exactly what he'll do. He might have Lejeune on the bench and bring him on for a little bit because I don't think you'll want to throw him straight into a full 90 minute performance. Um, particularly when he's got other options. Yedlin will come back into the side. Although Javier Manquillo, as we said, played quite well last weekend. I don't think we'll see too many changes in an attacking sense. Uh, Muto's an interesting one because he hasn't played in seven or eight weeks. He had an injury for a bit, but the last couple of weeks hasn't been getting on. But Newcastle are going to lose him early next month now to the Asian Cup after he's called up. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a start at some point in the next week or so. I don't think it'll be this weekend, but maybe at Liverpool on the counter. So I think that the main changes will be defensively and whether Benitez shifts back to four in defence. And if he doesn't, if and where Paul Dummett fits into that system. And I definitely think he'll go a four at the back. I think I think we'll see Dummer back, and uh, Atsu and I think he'll stick with Kendi on the on the on the wing as well. I think against against a team like Fulham, you, you know, if Kendi wakes up on the right side of bed, then he's you know he can be very useful um, against a team low on confidence. And I mean that's exactly what you know Fulham are. I mean they, yeah, they keep a clean sheet this season. So you know with one done in this form, you would you would fully expect Newcastle to grab. Some goals. Um, just the latest on on Shelby. Then I mean, we we assume he probably will be missing from from this weekend, do we? I th- he is a doubt. When I spoke to someone yesterday, they said touch and go, but he hasn't been training too much, so I don't think again he'll be rushed back with a muscular injury. Key 
is available this weekend. We don't know exactly when he's got the Asian Cup yet. He was fearful it may, this may be his last game this weekend, but Newcastle are in negotiations with the South Korean FA at the moment because players are allowed to be released up to two weeks before the start of the tournament, FIFA regulations. So we wait and see how much involvement he will have over the next couple of weeks. But I, I, doubt, I can't see Shelby starting on Saturday, certainly. I mean, if Shelby, Shelby's injury be, is worse than... It is it becomes worse than it is at the moment. You know, we quite easily come back and then pull up and train again, or you know, out on the on the pitch. Key goes off to the Asian Cup. I mean, you are left with little choice in that centre midfield. Well, Isaac Hayden did okay when he came on last weekend. He's starting to come back in the picture again, and Sean Longstaff could end up getting his Premier League debut. The, I can't see Longstaff now being allowed to go out in January unless it becomes the very end of January and Key has returned from the Asian Cup because Newcastle are short but, of bodies there. But, but I mean, Hayden and Army as a partnership, does it really work? Because they're both, you could argue, again, my opinion, that they're both probably more a, a defensive partnership than they are an attack, or one, rather than Hayden being an attacking replacement, as in a replacement for Key who, turns, picks the ball up and starts attacks like Shelby does, like Sean Longstaff does in the under-23s. I mean, Hayden and Diarmi would be a very, very defensive partnership, wouldn't they? It would be, but if Benitez does decide to stick with three at the back, to have Hayden and Diarmi in the middle, if you've got Cher, Lejeune, Fernandez, players who can play out from the back, it's not necessarily as much of a detriment as it would have been in the past to have two defensive players in like that. Ideally, you would like one of Shelby or Key in there, but I do think he does have a few options to play with, albeit in an ideal world, he'd like a midfielder next month, but as in a, a central midfielder, but the priority is attacking midfielder, offensive, uh, left wing back, left back, and then if he can, a striker on top of that. Just in terms of looking ahead to this game, in my opinion, I actually think this is one of the biggest tests for Newcastle all season. And by the reason I say that is, you look at their record against the teams below them in the table, the six teams below them in the table, they've played five of them, all of them away from home, undefeated in all those games, three goalless draws, two victories against Huddersfield and against Burnley. Fulham is the first of those teams who they play at home. They're getting the majority of their points from the teams below them, but they haven't, they've only got Fulham away last game of the season as those matches away from home to get them now. They need to start winning games at home and Fulham is the first one and the first opportunity they get before what is quite a difficult run until the end of January. I mean, you mentioned it there. I mean, no team has lost more home games across the top four English uh, leagues than Newcastle United seven. I mean, Fortress Newcastle United. I mean, growing up as a... As a kid, you know, St James's Park was not a place you wanted to visit as an away team. You know, we, I don't know, I remember the days of, you know, going under uh, Sir Boy Robson, obviously not Kevin Keegan before that, and you, you, you expected to win as a Newcastle United fan. But yeah, and to be fair, they have had some very difficult games, particularly in this season. They had Spurs, they had Man City, they had, sorry, they didn't, they had Spurs, Chelsea, and that Arsenal. But then it's almost become self-perpetuating that once they had struggled at home, that had those difficult games, t- to lift themselves when teams have come and sat off them, particularly West Ham. I mean, West Ham did a, an absolute job on Newcastle, just as Newcastle did at West Ham last year. Sat off, let Newcastle come at them, and then just tore them apart on the counter-attack. Newcastle are far better when the onus is, is on the opposition, particularly away from home. That was like at, like at Huddersfield. They just let Huddersfield have the ball, and then when they did 
in the second half get their own act together in possession can be so effective on the break. But when the onus is on them, when teams sit off them, that's when they struggle. If Fulham come and sit up and shut up shop this weekend, is in my opinion, if I was Ranieri, that's exactly what I would do. Newcastle, it's going to be a big test for them. But if Fulham come and try and play, then that is exactly what Rafa Benitez will want. Most certainly. And just before I ask you for your score prediction, I'm just going to invite you guys along to our live talking um, next month, 24th of January, just before transfer deadline day. Um, all the uh, information can be found on our website is £5 a ticket, but all that money goes to the food bank. You get a pint and a pie and pea supper as well. And we'll have um, Matthew Reisbeck from Boots Newcastle as a special guest as well as all our writers talking about everything to do with Newcastle from transfers to takeovers. So um, if you're looking for a stock, a stocking filler, that is something that you can definitely get. I know Chris is very excited about that. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. The last one was, was really good and hopefully uh, this time we get just as, as many interesting questions as we did on the last occasion. Well, since that's down at the Ware Rooms Bar on the 24th of January, let's say all the um, deals can be found on our social media channels or on our website and let's say all the proceeds from the ticket sales go to the Newcastle United Food Bank um, which is going to be most welcome especially given the time of month um, go on then Chris give us your score prediction I'm going to try and be positive going into Christmas uh, initially my thoughts were ones each but I'm going to say 2-1 Newcastle it's, as I say it's a huge test for them but I think that they do need this victory given the games that follow so yeah 2-1 Newcastle well, there you have it. You can tell it's Christmas. It's Chris Woff being positive. That's not an everyday uh, occurrence. Um, ask him on Saturday what he thinks the score will be before the game, and he'll probably change it. But there you have it. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, you can keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including Rafa Benitez's press conference tomorrow, which is Friday, and, of course, live match coverage on our website um, of the game against Fulham. I've been Andrew Musgrove. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast in association with eToro. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.